Good evening, dummies. Episode 178, 7.52 p.m. Tuesday, June 29th. Man, I am not feeling the best. I took off last night. A lot of people knew that I was... I'm always honest with you folks. I tell you what's going on in my life, whether you want to know or not, whether it's sports or family or whatever. But I've been going through a lot the last month, and I'm open and honest because I think people need to be transparent. Men don't talk about men's health enough. We hear about breast cancer awareness. We hear about... uh, Leukemia. We hear about uh, um, mental health in women. We hear all that stuff. But men, we don't talk about prostate very much. You know, there's a Prostate Awareness Month. I think it's in September. It's light blue. Most people don't talk about it. And PTS, you know, post-traumatic stress, which we just had on Sunday, PTS Awareness Week and PTS Awareness Day. And we don't talk about mental health and, and men as much as we should. So let's, let's talk about it. I have a abscess. And that's a tooth problem right here. Oh, Nelly, you see how swollen it is? It's just like, I have chubby cheeks anyway, but no bueno. I stayed home yesterday and, and worked and just recovered, getting ready for this morning and procedure. It needs to be done. Now they got to go in through a laser and it sucks. And it's just, it just hurts like a son of a bitch. And I, I tried to tough it out. And the problem is I can't take any medicine as you guys know. So that happened. Then my back started to deteriorate. I started to get some back pain. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And I have to get a spinal, the spinal cord stimulator out of my back removed. And I knew that was coming. And I was like, well, it's going to be a little bit road of a recovery, but I'm not healing as fast as I usually do. And I don't recover as fast as I usually do. What's going on? So the thing is, is a lot of guys, especially my age, have to get on TRT, which is testosterone replacement therapy. I took so much medication when I had my back surgery, almost 20 years of taking narcotics that when I finally kicked the habit and said, I'm done with this shit, it's not working. And it's forced down your throat as a veteran and by the VA. And, and honestly, I took it and it became like candy to me. It was horrible for my body. It screwed up my testosterone production. So I have to get shots each week. Be honest with you folks. No, it's not an ED problem. I've never been asked for a refund. Ask Olivia. God, I hope she's honest <laughs> or I hope she lies. One of the two. But anyway, the point is, is that to be open with y'all, I, I have to take shots. So you all know when I recovered and got kicked the medicine, I started working out. I wasn't able to build muscle and I wasn't helping my back. In fact, I still had horrible back pain. I lost all the weight and everything. Once I did TRT, I was able to put on some lean muscle mass and help support my core. So I realized something was wrong. Something's weird. I just feel off. And that quickly, I found out that my estrogen levels were up to 1,500. Normal for a man's 160 to 190. What in the flying shit went on? I mean, literally, I was ready to get a bra and start having children. I was wondering when my menstruation cycle was going to come on. I Incredible. And it wasn't like, uh, you know, all of a sudden I saw a baby commercial. I started crying. I was just exhausted. I was tired. I was up and down. My energy was here, and then it was here. And it just sucked. So now that I've told you all my health problems, this is why it's been a shitty month. So I'm here tonight, even though I shouldn't be, I should probably be resting and recovering, but I know that this is important to all four of you. So I'm here tonight to give you your Don't Unfriend Me show. So I hope you appreciate it. Pack your bags. We're going on a guilt trip and you're coming along. So if this isn't my best show, now you know why I've got a get out of jail free card. I have an excuse tonight. Fireworks. Karen has finally won. I know. I know I am so sick of fireworks, Karen. My dog gets scared. Oh, every time fireworks go on, my doggy goes under the bed. I'm so sick of hearing it. It's not my fault you have a dog. 
Well, I'm sure there's veterans out there who don't mind this. It's amazing. It's always the Karens or the wife of the wife, but it's never a veteran. Why is that? Why don't veterans get on and say, this bothers me? And is it just fireworks or is it pots and pans? Or is there other things that are like nails on a chalkboard that make you recollect these things that are horrible in your life? This not disorder, this sickness, this ailment, this injury to your psyche and your physical and mental capabilities. Let's talk about it. And honestly, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. Hell, I'm wearing a red, white, and blue hat. I've got my 13 stars. I'm ready to go blow shit up. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen on 4th of July. Karen's finally won. I'm, I'm, I'm just giving in. Right turn, Clyde. No, this isn't any which way but loose or any which way but can with Clint Eastwood. Right turn, Clyde. This is about the alt-right. What is the alt-right? Honestly, I am so sick and tired of people calling me alt-right. I don't even know what the fuck alt-right is. So I had to look it up. I had to identify. I mean, I know what ultra-right fascism is, but what the hell's alt-right? I don't get it. I thought it was a command on the keyboard. That's going to lead me to my joke. But we'll talk about the alt-right tonight and why it has nothing to do with Republicans and conservatives. It's ridiculous. And lastly, racist is mom's apple pie. Everything's racist. I'm going to go over just the complete stupidity of this generation. Unbelievable. I don't understand what the hell's going on. Everything is racist. Like, literally, they couldn't name the coronavirus after birds because they were afraid children who were named Robin, moms would be offended. This is insane. Racism is everywhere, just like mom's apple pie. Mom's apple pie is racist, too. We're going to talk about that tonight. And I've got a special dum-dum for you. Yes, a dum-dum came out of the woodwork which triggered me on this racist stuff, and I wanted to talk about it with you tonight in episode 178. I don't really understand this alt-left and alt-right thing. It seems as though they're trying to shift control until they delete each other. Keyboard Warriors. Recorded. From an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Why can't you just take one, Matt? Why can't you just take one pill? Feel better. Just one. Have your wife put them in her purse. Well, because I don't want just one. I want 100, and I want 2,000. That's the problem with addiction. There's two different types of things. There's addiction and habitual. It first started off as an addiction to feel good. It started off at 20 years old when I would sneak them from my mom and dad's purse before I went in the military because I have always had back pain, but nothing this severe. So whenever I had a headache or a migraine, I would take one and whatever. And honestly, it felt good. You know, that's why people start. But now if I take it, I know I'll relapse. And it, I never went to counseling, never went to rehab. I, never, I just flushed it all down the toilet, and I stuck myself in a room for 45 days and went through the worst withdrawals I've ever had in my life. It is horrendous. And there are people who go through it every single day. I can't describe how much pain it is to go through chemical withdrawal. And at some point, I have to realize is that I'm an addict too. It runs in my family. So I talk about it openly. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't do blow off hookers hip bones. 
I took prescription drugs to stop pain, and then I did it to stop the internalized pain. So I can't have one. Now, nobody said anything about scotch, but scotch isn't purple. This is my workout shake. I unfortunately don't drink because I'm on antibiotics. It really sucks, folks. So if anybody has a baseball bat just to smack me upside the head, probably would feel just a bit right better than I do right now. What are we doing? Well, we already know that. What the hell is going on? People are like, who is this guy? Is there a show here? Well, yeah, there is. And this is my social network stuff. You can find me on Instagram, find me on YouTube, Facebook, and anchor all my podcasts. My show was created to kind of talk about politics, current events, to give you a little bit of spin. To be completely honest, I am a conservative when it comes to fiscal policy. Um, I can tend to be a little bit progressive or middle of the road, even sometimes liberal when it comes to social policy. And I do have libertarian leanings. I do not follow progressivism and socialism. I despise both. And I think that the alt-right, now that I've read about them, are a bunch of fucking knuckleheads. I have a little bit of everything for you. And I promise you this, as a dilettante that I am, I am not going to be specifically locked in on one topic. My mind can be changed. I can be wrong. It happens on occasion. And when it does, I usually admit it. All I ask is you do the same. You can love me. You can hate me. You can agree. You can disagree. Just don't unfriend me. And that's what we're going to do tonight. But first, before we do that, if social media isn't your big, that's not the one. What are we doing? Social media isn't your thing. Go to my website at don'tunfriendme.com. You can find my podcast. You can find my videos there, my blog, everything else. You can stop by, say hello. And when you do, before you just jump off social media, remember, if you're like, wow, I really like the show, well, then you have to follow, like, share, and subscribe. When I go live, when I come on and say hi, when I do a video like this or make a funny meme post, you get to come by and say hello. We've already talked about what we're doing tonight. I also want to show you a few things that are going to maybe make a difference in your life. Not so much as it's going to change everything you know, but I believe that we can share stories. We can share commonalities. We can learn something from each other. The show might not always be to your liking. You might find things to be downright offensive, but sometimes, occasionally, we get it right. I challenge you to try to find that moment and share it with me, and let's have a great conversation tonight. First, we're going to talk about dum-dums. Let's ridicule people. Why? Well, because that's how you make friends, I've heard. Call me crazy, but why are we selecting athletes who won't even represent the United States or respect the anthem? You may have heard of this nice lady. I don't know if she's nice. She seems like a spoiled brat to me, but she got third place, basically, which means nothing. Qualifying for the Olympics, two other ladies put their hands over their hearts and celebrated the national anthem. This lady did not. I found it completely stupid. I, I don't get offended necessarily. I just find it dumb. Why? Why did you turn your back on the national anthem? You don't even have a platform. Nobody's interviewed you. They don't know what you're doing. And the only thing that people do when they see this is turn you off. It makes no sense. Plus, why you're doing it is really kind of bullshit anyway. Their facts don't support your claims. So let's talk a little bit about somebody who took personal offense to this in a front and decided to come on my page and have something to say. This is Kaz Kuzaniski. Kaz. Or is it costs? It doesn't matter. Reading through these comments, I find it amazing that white people, Kaz is white, by the way, think badly of this girl. I want to be also clear. There were plenty of Hispanics, black people. There were many people who didn't like what this lady did who were not just white. So inherently, that's racist of you to stereotype everybody. But 
I digress. He says, I only see negative white comments. Well, of course, that's all you see because that's all you're trained to see. There were plenty of other comments that had nothing to do with white, black, brown, or green. It had to do with be a patriot, stand up for your flag, represent America. That has nothing to do with skin color. If it was a white person who did it, we would all be pissed at her too. Trust me. And she said, and he says, really, how prejudiced are you when you don't have her skills? Have her skills. She tosses a hammer. I can toss a hammer. And I know a couple of things. I don't want to do that professionally, and I have no desire. I'm sorry. I'm not jealous of her skills. Now, if this was Venus or Serena Williams or Maya Angelou or Denzel Washington, I would agree with you. But hammer tossing is not up there on my list. But I digress. Let's find out what else this genius had to say. He then started talking to me about the narrative. And I said, well, the narrative of this whole unarmed black shooting with police is a bunch of bullshit. And he says nothing but linking, which I always love, linking me to the WashingtonPost.com. First of all, do you know what type of newspaper the Washington Post is? Why don't you look it up and find it to me? I'm really surprised you didn't just link me to Fox News. You're a liberal? It says Fatal Force Police Shootings Database. Well, this is a police database, but unfortunately, when people see what is known as facts, they create alternative facts. His point, without even looking at it, because I read the article when I did my video on this subject, I'm going to link it right over here on YouTube where you can click it and talking about the misnomers and fallacies about police shootings. This gentleman linked the fact that with black crime and white crime, that it's disproportionate based upon the population and that more black people are shot than white people. Well, I've already addressed this. And of course he's wrong. Yes, it's actually true. But here's the problem is that proportionately more African-Americans commit crime than whites by and a massive amount of numbers because their population base is anywhere from 13 to 17%. Whites with non-white Hispanics, 61, it's closer to 67 with white Hispanics. At that point, you're talking about more than 50% of homicides are actually owned by African-Americans versus whites. That's disproportionate. So how did he respond to this? He linked me this article, which basically proved my point, but he refused to go ahead and admit it. And then I said to him, unarmed is the message. Unarmed black men shot by police officers. Actually, on average, there's 13 per year. Unarmed. Otherwise, it's a rightful shooting. It's a lawful shooting. If you have a weapon and you're going after a police officer, you deserve to be shot. I'm sorry. But unarmed is the topic of choice that all these unarmed black youth are being killed. Even though we don't talk about the tens of thousands that are being killed in the inner city, we don't care about that, do we? I say, sorry, proportionally, African-Americans are killed more often because they commit more, if not the same level of crime. Even at 13% of the population versus whites at well over 61%, I've already done this show, and if you have lost the argument before you even woke up this morning, go away. He didn't seem to like that. I'm getting all these off. Hold on. Then he says, which is interesting, maybe if you had been raised on nothing in the pro, what? Maybe if you had been raised on nothing in the projects, you would be a criminal too. Well, maybe. And if my grandmother had balls, she would be my grandfather, sir. It's not an argument. It's a fallacy argument. It's ad pro hoc. You're basically saying with one thing becomes another that all people in the projects have a life of crime. Well, that's not true. Simply not true at all. In fact, it's extremely racist of you to say so. 
I know a lot of people in the product projects. And guess what, bud? I didn't grow up in Beverly Hills, homeboy. I grew up in the streets of Ventura on the Avenue. I grew up in the area of Oxnard. I went to Port Wyneme football games and Crenshaw football games and Law Poke. Trust me. I was the white guy. I stuck out like a sore thumb. You have no idea where I was. I didn't have rug in my house for three years as my water, uh, water heater blew up in my garage and flooded my entire house. We lived on concrete. My mother had brain surgery. My dad worked four jobs. Can I go ahead and give you a violin? And guess what? We still survived and we never took food stamps or help from the government. So don't give me this. It was the best of times, worst of times bullshit. He says, sometimes you have to look deeper for a cause. Yeah, deeper through a muck of bullshit? Because automatically when you have to look deeper, why? The surface level already told you what you need to know. Why do you have to go looking deeper? There is no unarmed black shooting epidemic in the United States today, except for other blacks and African Americans killing each other in the inner cities. Then he says, but threatening. Lots of laughs. You're funny, as well as opinionated. I'll address that in a second. What I know about these stats is that if you are multiracial but identify as white, identify as white? Who the fuck identifies as white? That's not a white thing, okay? It's not a white thing. It doesn't happen. Race hasn't really been encroached yet. People don't identify as white or black or Korean, even though the first idiot how says he's a non-binary Korean and he's white as Casper the ghost. That just happened yesterday. Trust me, people aren't identifying as white. If you're talking about selecting their race, color, or ethnicity on a checkoff form, that is completely different. And most, most of those are privileged anyway. It'd be an anomaly, there being DNA, sure. There's more than European in me, as do many folks. So racist doesn't truly fit. It's more like knowing your ethnic identity. If you are not a member of the six tribes and those who came after, you are not a true American yourself. What the... God, there's so much to unpack there. We will do it right now. I said, you know me? You have no idea where I grew up. And if you count white Hispanic then that's closer to 67%. Are you always wrong? Tribes? Do you know how many tribes wage war on other tribes? Do you know why you can say six tribes versus 32 tribes? They were conquered. Every civilization on the planet has conquered or been conquered. If you knew your history, you would also know that 90% of natives were wiped out from disease, typhoid, yellow fever, etc., and not American soldiers. Life is hard, bad things happen, but to bring up issues that are hundreds of years old as a counter-argument for what is happening today is weak. Black youth are being killed by black youth. Stop making the .007% the majority and focus on the inner cities run by liberal policies. Cry me a river. And then I came back and I said, and stop calling people racist because they disagree with you. That's a warning. And that's the threat. It's not a threat. And I say, I'm not threatening you, Cupcake. Two things get you banned. Spam and spewing comments that are inaccurate because you are losing an argument. You are flirting with the aforementioned. Read more. Of course I'm opinionated. It's an opinion. Show, Captain Obvious. Facts are funny that way. I want to give this gentleman the Captain Dum Dum Award. He is my Dum Dum of the Week. And I appreciate Kaz. Why don't you just go ahead and change your name to Shea Guevara? My God. Talk about being dramatic. It's just a meme. People, relax. Don't understand why memes are so controversial nowadays. Come on. Fireworks Karen has finally won. I know. 
I'm disappointed. July 4th, Veterans Day and Memorial Day are all significant events on our nation's calendar that remind us to honor and appreciate the men and women who sacrificed so much for our freedom and how we established our freedom. As a child, I remember loading up the car, driving to the regional park, having a picnic, and then watching a fireworks spectacular set to a medley of patriotic music. It was a highlight of the summer. We all left with full hearts, feeling grateful for our country and the military that defends it, even though California wouldn't let us use sky fireworks. But as I got older, I began to realize this time-honored tradition that is supposed to celebrate our service members can actually traumatize many of them. Now, I'm not a Karen. I'm not somebody who cries when fireworks go off. In fact, I am the biggest culprit of them all. Besides that, my allergies are killing me. I have set off more fireworks than probably just about anyone. I blow shit up. It's incredibly hard to distinguish the sound of a firework from the sound of a gunshot or an explosion to the untrained ear. Smell of sulfur, the sound of firework whizzing up into the air, and even flashing lights in the sky are significant triggers for many service members dealing with post-traumatic stress. Remember, it's not PTSD. It's not a disorder. It's an ailment. It's a sickness. It's an injury. I've heard stories of veterans tell me a little bit in private about their experience on 4th of July. And although they don't post on Facebook and they don't cry about it, I've heard stories of Vietnam veterans describe how it puts their house on lockdown. They close the curtains and basically hide inside with headphones on until the fireworks end. And it makes you begin to think a little differently. I've heard a lot of veterans say, 9-11 victims say, that he can only spend or they can only spend the 4th of July with his family to leave the city limits and hike up a mountain to a safe place where they can see the fireworks but not hear them. And that brings a lot of perspective to me. Or listening to military couples who wants more than anything to take their kids to Disney World and experience the Magic Kingdom, but they can't because every night there will be fireworks display. It's truly heartbreaking. And so fireworks, maybe they're just not fun anymore. Now you can go ahead and say, well, why don't you just leave at 6 o'clock or 8 o'clock when the fireworks start? And that's a great, great question. Of course they can leave town. Of course they can leave Disneyland and just leave an hour early before the park closes. Of course they can hike up a mountain. But should they? Should they really? If we call ourselves law-abiding citizens and we want to follow the law of the land, in most places, most fireworks are not allowed in these communities or in town limits. Do we follow those rules or do we simply ignore them? Is that breaking the law? Is it as simple as jaywalking? Well, what happens if you light a person's house on fire? What happens if somebody does suffer from PTS? What happens if a dog does run away? Was it worth it? Was it worth it to cause that neighbor pain even though they are annoying as shit with their stupid pet stories on Facebook, destroying our community, when every time a firework goes off and say, was that a gunshot? Are we being invaded by Poland? Yes, it's annoying. And there's a problem with that too. Maybe you're with me. If fireworks aren't fun for you, it makes perfect sense. And you are not alone. A lot of people say it is. Go on Google and look up banning fireworks. Every article, hundreds of them. There are ones, it causes depression. It causes anxiety. It puts sulfur in the air. It's bad for the environment and climate change. Noise pollution. Holy shit, there are more negative articles on this subject than just about anything I've ever seen. It's more unpopular than abortion, it seems. I wish I could wave a magic wand and make them stop for people. If I could do it, I probably would in a heartbeat. Avoidance is one of the key traits of post-traumatic stress. Many people spend hours arranging their plans to avoid trauma triggers like fireworks. 
But unfortunately, we all know that there's no way to avoid every trigger, and eventually avoidance as a coping tactic stops working too. Many things can trigger PTS. Pots and pans hitting the floor, someone screaming and yelling, music. There are so many things, and you can't avoid them all. You must get the help you need. And that goes with your pets too. That goes with any veterans. That goes with maybe yourself who just doesn't like them or have a phobia of loud explosions. Honestly, I get it, but you can't hide in your cave forever. So if we can't stop the fireworks, what can we do to make it through the holiday with less anxiety? Here are a few ideas. Planning a low anxiety holiday. Make plans that involve doing something you enjoy with people who you know and understand about your struggle and can support you. Being with safe people when experiencing a trigger is better than being alone. And I'm not talking about triggered as the sensitive Karens and Nancys out there who say, my horses get upset. Well, folks, you've had plenty of time to prepare. It's not my fault you didn't. Every year you post the same shit. It's not like you were surprised. The 4th of July is on the same fucking month and same day every single year. Be a Boy Scout or a non-gender binary exclusive Scout of America, whatever the hell it is now. This is for people who have PTS, who suffer from tragic, tragic injury from war. Maybe choose to spend the evening in a safe, non-crowded location that is far away from major firework displays. Be realistic with yourself. You can control every situation where a trigger might occur. Work on creating affirmations and balanced thinking about experiencing triggers as, when triggered, I use skills to ground myself. I remind myself I'm safe and that this anxiety will pass. Tell those around you what happens when you need help with your triggering. Use earplugs or noise-canceling headphones during fireworks displays. Plan to engage in a lot of self-care that day, whether through massage, exercise, yoga, or even getting a mani or petty if that's the type of veteran you are. Just kidding. I get a petty once in a while. If I don't, my wife would never come near me in the sheets. Self-care will help you get out of fight or flight or freeze mode and into state of physical and mental calmness, making you less likely to react in panic mode. Practice breathing. Work that resets the nervous system, such as alternate nostril breathing or ocean breath. These are all techniques to help you. And yes, you might find some of them ridiculous and say, this is lefty ideology. No, this is reality for people who come back overseas. If you know the holiday will be hard for you, schedule therapy sessions either before or after, both so that you have professional support to avoid a setback in your post-traumatic growth and healing. And you can also call call the Veteran Crisis Hotline. The number will be at the end of this show. Some other strategies for managing. So you might be thinking, yeah, this is great, but what if I do all these things and still get triggered? You find yourself with a racing heart and panic has just hit you. Here are some things to try. Count backwards from 1,000 by subtracting in increments of 10. Our brains are amazing computers, but they can't panic and do math at the same time. So while you're subtracting, the panic will subside. Look around you and name all the colors and objects you see in a room. This is called mental grounding. It brings your mind back to the present moment. Touch and describe objects near you, such as a chair you're sitting in or a pen you're holding in your hand. This is called physical grounding. It brings your body back to the present moment. Focus on taking deep and even breaths while saying the word relax or repeating a phrase like inhaling. I breathe in, exhaling, I breathe out. Change your environment by taking a walk, splashing cool water in your face, or doing an active stretch. Showers work for me. They are amazing. It's almost soundproof in there. Turn the shower up, go to town, put some music on the iPod in the background, and just do your best to relax. Pay attention to your body's cues and give yourself what you need. These are just a few simple techniques for managing anxiety in the moment. Most of us believe our anxiety goes from 0 to 100 miles per hour in a split second. It can feel that way. 
But if we could watch the process of panic in a slow motion movie, we would see that our body sends signals early on that anxiety is building. These signals might be things like increased heart rate, racing thoughts, flushed face, etc. Understanding the anatomy of your panic attack means learning your body's mental and physical cues in the order they typically happen and then training yourself to recognize and respond to those signals early on before they reach a point of full-blown panic. And this is why you want to remain calm throughout the day. The more you handle throughout the day in a positive way, the better the negativity could happen at night. While some of these things are easy to implement, others require training and support. There is no shame in seeking help. PTS is a normal psychological mind and physiological body reaction to an abnormal experience like combat. You aren't crazy. Your brain is responding as it should to protect you, but it may need help to realize it doesn't have to do that anymore. I had to dig deep. I had to ask myself why I was setting off fireworks to begin with. And to be honest, it was to piss off the Karens who always complain. I was not allowed to set off fireworks, just sparklers and fountains in California. And I said when I moved to Texas, I was going to blow shit up, and I certainly did. I have spent thousands on fireworks. I'm pretty sure there's a vet down the road who has never said anything about this. I know that a lot of the Karens out there say, my doggie is scared. And they speak for veterans and say, there's veterans out there who suffer from PTSD. When they know nothing about PTSD, they've never been overseas, they don't know anyone who has it, they've never heard it, but they're assuming just to go in and help their cause because their parakeet gets its feathers ruffled. Never heard a vet complain about fireworks in my life, except in person, but not on Facebook. But they won't and don't. And that is really the whole problem. I could care less about your shih tzu. You have 364 days to prepare for one fucking day of the year, and all you do is complain endlessly about it. I remember the special feeling of ending uh, or sending off a few rockets each night leading up to the 4th because it was exciting as a kid. We are all still kids, and we have kids also. When do we get so jaded and sensitive to every little thing out of our control? I will tell you when. When we stop talking and spending the 4th together. Now we shelter in place and treat our pets like the special little snowflakes they are. Has anyone ever wondered why the biggest Karens usually have Karen pets also? Well, here's the truth. I could spend $1,000 again this year. We have a good friend, Demi, my daughter's one of her best friends from Texas flying up. She's like 11 years old. And she has an amazing fireworks show every single year. And I know she'll be okay because we're going to go down to Washington, D.C. and watch one of the hundreds of thousands of fireworks shows all within driving distance of us. We're not going to lose out on anything and we're going to save a lot of money. I could go ahead and spend $1,000 and just blow the blanket of night apart and attempt to move the moon from its orbit with the amount of fireworks are set off. Or I can try to be the change that I want to see in others. I can emulate the behavior and just give an inch. Is that important? Am I telling you to stop setting off fireworks? Am I telling you not to be patriotic or American or barbecue and blow shit up? No, do it. Have at it. I don't care. I'm just telling you I will not participate this year. I will still recognize and celebrate our freedom, the sacrifice to make this country what it is, and do my best to be neighborly. Yes, the impetuous Karen next door may be stuck in adolescent fantasies forever, but maybe it is time for me to grow up and set the example. Just my opinion. Don't have to agree. I'm going to miss blowing shit up. Racist as mom's apple pie. If you're planning to enjoy a warm slice of apple pie for Independence Day, beware. 
that you may be contributing to, according to a column in The Guardian, an American tradition of stolen land, wealth, and labor. Maybe they're friends with Kaz. Sounds like an article you would love, Kaz. Maybe that's the one you read. And remember that when you see the distinctive yellow coloring of an Autobahn warbler, which is a bird, don't worry, I had to look it up. You may be admiring what the Washington Post calls the bird's racist legacy. And if you take yoga classes, you may need to find new chosen methods of fitness. According to Glamour magazine, which everyone shouldn't read, the practice has a racist problem. These are not isolated incidents, folks. Mainstream media has made a sport of finding racism in innocuous places. According to NPR, the racist history of the ice cream truck's jingle has finally caught up to it. That outlet has also told readers racism has infiltrated our roads and Cornell University has introduced a course on the racial implications of black holes. E&E News informed readers that climate racism is real, noting lower-income residents and people of color are more likely to live in the hottest neighborhoods in the cities across the country. Certain fonts are racist, according to CNN, and we must find a new name for master bedrooms, according to the New York Times, because Masta shouldn't be the name of a bedroom. And to further your understanding of the racial implications in your everyday life, you could attend Brandeis University in Massachusetts. But be warned, once on campus, you can't invite your friends for a picnic, but rather must participate in outdoor eating. I take all of this with a grain of salt. According to NPR, the media itself has a racist history. These assertions are not innocuous, says Derek Murdoch, a senior fellow with the Loudoun Center for Policy Research and Fox News contributor. The left completely has turned the term racist into a punchline, he said in an interview. They have gone beyond crying wolf. They have made the boy who cried wolf look like a stable and reliable character, and they totally made a mockery of the term and trivialized it to the point of ridicule. The media outcry doesn't extend to explicit examples of racism, though. Murdoch noted, everything in America is racist except actual racism, he said. Murdoch noted the most egregious example was Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's decision to, uh, on the second anniversary of her inauguration, to only conduct interviews with minority reporters, a move the Washington Post referred to as a gift of sorts. But this is not the only example of media's failure to label explicit racism as such. When psychiatrist Aruna Kealani spoke at Yale University and said she fantasized about killing white people, the Washington Post published one article online, the incident, explaining Kilalani's position that the comments were hyperbole. CNN did not cover the story on its capable news network at all, according to Grabian transcripts. MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC avoid Sheldon, avoid Sheldon Whitehouse's all-white club saga. CNN offers, less, CNN offers less than five minutes of coverage on that subject. More recently, Rhode Island Senator Sheldon Whitehouse admitted to being part of an all-white beach club. Despite receiving significant backlash, the controversy received no coverage on the major networks, according to the Grabian transcripts. Murdoch noted that the media's insistence on labeling things as racist has both diminished examples of actual racism in the United States and harmed relationships between people of different races. They have Americans on edge, terrified of opening their mouths, terrified of talking to each other terrified of becoming friends with each other across racial lines. He said, noting that Americans are afraid that anything they did or said could be perceived as racist. These people are doing our country an enormous disservice, he said. They need to stop. 
They need to go back to the idea of trying to get along with each other rather than trying to make us hate each other. I remember there was a time when if you called someone a commie, the FBI would be at your door. If you called someone a socialist, the FBI would be at their door and they would be flagged. That word and those words held a certain weight and merit to them. It eroded and challenged our freedom and democracy in the way that we worked. It showed Russian involvement at the deepest level in our society. And it threatened capitalism and democracy and freedom in our country. There's never been a time where the word racist has truly meant as little as it means right now. Everyone's a racist. People throw it around like it's just the name of the month club, like the alt-right. They don't know what it means. They've never experienced true racism. There's no weight or gravitas to what they utter. Because people have never experienced true racism. The Ku Klux Klan burning a cross on their lawn, being hung from a tree, having a family member in slavery. These things are not happening every day. Society won't allow it. But inadvertent racism or prejudice or stereotypes are still real, but not to the level that they used to be. When the media uses that to garner votes and separate America, all they do is create hate, cynicism, and derision. And that will lead to racism. It feels different than it did in the yesteryear. The media has always tried to divide us. It used to be by socioeconomic status. It used to be by your finances. Now it's about the color of your skin and what you believe is either right or wrong. Right turn, Clyde. What the hell's the alt-right? Everybody has an opinion about it, but nobody seems to know exactly what it is. So I took it upon myself to find out. I took a deep dive into the alt-right culture. I read a few books, listened to some podcasts, watched some videos, and followed some of their blogs. Have some listeners who are alt-right and spoke personally to a few people who consider themselves alt-right. And here's what I learned. First, they're really small. Like your high school reunion, small. That big national alt-right gathering in Charlottesville in August of 2017, yeah, that attracted all about 600 people. Those same 600 people stormed the Capitol. And that's on the high end of estimates. And that infamous torch rally on August 11th, there were maybe 100 tiki torch carriers. But however small it is, the alt-right does have a belief. And the belief is a worldview. It's right there in their name. The alt in alt-right means alternative. The alternative right is an alternative to American conservatism. So it's no surprise that the alt-right has far more in common with the left, another alternative to conservatism, than it does with the traditional American right. Let me try to untangle this. I'm not saying that the left is fascist. It's actually the opposite on the scale. Both the left and the alt-right are obsessed with race and identity politics, though. The belief that a person's value is linked to their racial heritage. The left wants special status for racial and ethnic minorities. The alt-right wants special status for the racial and ethnic majority. Since America, according to the alt-right, was founded by white Europeans and was built by white Europeans, it should belong to white Europeans. America's Kaz thinks it belongs to the Native Americans still. America's success, in their view, is a product of race and geography, or as the alt-right likes to put it, of blood and soil. 
So in the alt-right's view, the moral ideals of the American founders, like all men are created equal, are naive and misguided. People like Donald Trump and Ben Shapiro have been labeled as alt-right by political opponents. I've been labeled as alt-right by a few insane jackasses, like my stalker. Despite this, Trump and Shapiro and myself not only have been targeted by the alt-right, but they have also denounced the beliefs of the alt-right, and I have too. It is easy to label a political opponent as the alt-right. In doing so, all of the negative stereotypes are now attached to that person. An easy way to win any debate against an opponent is to attack the opponent themselves. The traditional conservative right does not ascribe to the same political belief system of the alt-right because the alt-right does not have a political philosophy. Racist views alone are not a political platform, and this, and this is all that the alt-right offers in terms of political opinions. The fascination on identity politics by most alt-right thinkers is the major difference between their group and the traditional conservative right. How the alt-right and conservatives see the issue of race is one of the biggest divides in political ideologies. For the alt-right, race is the only issue that matters. Ramon Lopez of National Affairs writes, According to the alt-right, multicultural or multiracial democracies, indeed, all pluralistic societies, are recipes for conflict and disaster. This is contrary to the conservative way of thinking. Conservatives typically place no value on the issue of race. In their minds, America without multiculturalism is fundamentally un-American. Identity politics place the unimportant issue of skin color or ethnicity at the forefront. As a result, the true meaning within political discussion gets lost. The alt-right recognize this and attacks the conservative right for not agreeing with their extremist views. According to the Anti-Defamation League, people who identify with the alt-right regard mainstream or traditional conservatives as weak and impotent, largely because they do not sufficiently support racism and anti-Semitism. When an overtly racist institution that follows alt-right ideology criticizes mainstream conservatism for not advocating on behalf of white supremacy, the intellectual honesty of those on the left who accuse conservatives of being members of the alt-right should be called into question ad nauseum, incessantly, every minute that they do it, just like Kaz called everyone a racist because there's a black lady on a podium and we don't agree with what she did. It has nothing to do with her skin color. We don't care. We care that she's an asshole. In addition to the alt-right denouncing conservatism as philosophy, important members of the conservative movement have been directly attacked by the alt-right. One of the leading alt-right websites has called political pundit Ben Shapiro an enemy, Jew, who wants to eradicate the white race. Charlie Kirk, president of Turning Point USA, has been referred to the same leading alt-right website that denounced Shapiro as an evil Hebrew operative after he defended the state of Israel. I wonder what they're going to think of me. How many positive shows on Israel have I had? I'm ready to become a lawyer. Joke. If the alt-right supposedly agrees with conservatives like Shapiro and Kirk, why would the alt-right attack them? Simple question. Isn't the enemy of my enemy my friend? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? Why aren't liberals just embracing conservatives? Well, because it doesn't fit their narrative. The answer stems from the fact that the alt-right does not, ne- does not really agree with mainstream conservatism. Alt-right is not a political philosophy. Instead, it is an identity of racism. Shapiro and Kirk support Jewish interests, and the alt-right does not. Therefore, Shapiro and Kirk are viewed as enemies. Politics take a back seat to race and identities, separating the alt-right from mainstream conservatism. Equating the two is a recipe for political division, which results in unproductive name-calling. 
The same year Shapiro was number one critic of the alt-right, the mainstream conserv- from mainstream conservatives, and the number one target for anti-Semitic attacks among journalists, either the economists did not properly conduct their research or worse, aimed to maliciously label Ben Shapiro as a white supremacist. Eventually, this headline was retracted by the economists, but the damage had already been done. Most ridiculous thing. It's like saying uh, Martin Luther King was a was a was a violent terrorist. Fucking people are morons. Using the term alt right as a weapon to smear opposition diminishes the actions of the true racist and white supremacist actions of the alt right. The left should end the equivocation of conservatism to the alt right. Instead, the left should work with conservatives to combat the racism and hate espoused by the alt right. The man who coined the term alt-right is a white nationalist named Richard Spencer who runs alternativeright.com. Don't go to the site. It sucks ass. As well as the National Policy Institute, the self-described think tank of the alt-right, according to Spencer, the movement is dedicated to the heritage, identity, and future of the people of European descent in the United States, otherwise a watered-down Ku Klux Klan. Jared Jared Taylor, the editor of white identity website American Renaissance, holds that any attempt to create a society in which race can be made not to matter will fail. Other alt-right leaders include Sam Francis, the later syndicated columnist and forefather of movement who famously called for white racial consciousness. Theodore Beale, the blogger known as Vox Day, who in his manifesto, What is the Alt-Right?, cites white nationalist motto, We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. And Paul Ramsey, a white nationalist who produced and starred in a video entitled, Is It Wrong Not to Feel Sad About the Holocaust? Another area of agreement between the alt-right and the left is that both ultimately reject God. The alt-right admires Christendom for uniting the European continent, but rejects Christianity for its offer of salvation to all people, irrespective of race. The movement's favorite philosopher, just like the Nazis of yesteryear, is Friedrich Nietzsche who famously claimed God is dead. Spencer himself is an avowed atheist who, like leftist since Karl Marx, longs for a new ideology as robust and binding as Christianity to replace traditional religion that brings us the most glaring similarity between the alt-right and the left, their disdain for the individual. The constant focus of both the left and the alt-right on group identity means that they downplay the value of the individual. This stands in stark opposition to the fundamental American value which conservatives have long championed. That places the individual, not the collective, at the center of society. The pioneer spirit, entrepreneurial drive, the acceptance of personal responsibility, these are uniquely American ideas, uniquely conservative ideas. But they mean little, if anything, to the alternative to conservatism, the left and the alt-right. Put simply, the alt-right has three core beliefs, the promotion of white identity, politics, the rejection of God, and the subordination of the individual to the collective. I guess that's four. In other words, the alt-right has nothing in common with conservatism and is in fact much closer to leftism. Except, of course, that the left is much, much larger. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for humoring me. My tooth is done. I was blowing some cold air on it as I was sucking wind as I was talking, and it doesn't feel very good, y'all. Going to get some rest and uh, hopefully recover and be back tomorrow. Thank you for spending the day with me, the night with me, the afternoon with me, or the drive with me. Whatever you're doing, I appreciate it very much. Before you go, if you would please throw me a like, share, and subscribe. 
right down here. YouTube channel pops up. You can subscribe there, or you can like and follow on Facebook. If you could do that, I would appreciate it. It keeps the lights on, and God will not kill a puppy. Lastly, going out on what I always go out on, the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255, press 1. This number is for veterans. If you are suffering from PTS, anxiety, depression, traumatic brain injury, whatever it is, you have a resource to help you. Veterans do not like to talk about their pain. They do not like to talk about the stress that has happened overseas in conflict, war, and battle. They need your help. Please get them to try to talk. If they won't talk, reach out to me. I will do whatever I can to help. And if that doesn't work, they can go to donutfriendly.com. Click on the VCL link and be connected to a Skype operator directly or a phone call where they can get the help they so desperately deserve and need. If you are not a veteran and you are suffering from anything that I just mentioned or anything that you just need to talk to somebody, if you are a civilian, they will not turn you away. They will find you the help you need. Please give them a call. They are a great resource for everyone. Folks, I am out for the night. Thank you for stopping by. Have a wonderful evening. Have a safe 4th of July. I will talk to you tomorrow. And have a wonderful, wonderful night. God bless America and you. I'll talk to you tomorrow.